What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Oh, tonight we got them. Goldie, the Sulk, and J.C. Disgusting, 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 just had the big birthday, turned 50. I'm 50. And so now you're, you know, you're cashing in all the presents. And one of them last night, well, first of all, tonight, spoiler alert, you and I are going to the Celtics Lakers. And and last night you got a gift where you went to the Celtics Clippers. So how was that experience? I'm going to correct you a little bit. I gave a gift. Wait, to why? my friend who turned 60 oh. a few weeks ago that we would go. And it was a gift for myself as well. Yeah, okay. it's a good gift. I got us some, not courtside seats, but right next to courtside seats. Yeah, courtside court- side seats. <laughs> court adjacent seats. Court side side. Anyway, <laughs> so I hadn't been to a basketball game since pre-COVID. And, yeah. you know, the great thing about the Clippers games is – no one cares. It's J. It's LA's JV, right? Yeah, and so, yeah. but one thing that has just become apparent to me that so you and I, you go to a basketball game. I'm actually a fan of basketball. Yes, the game of basketball. I <laughs> sure. enjoy watching people play with the basketball. Yeah, the sport <laughs> called basketball. Yes, but at least when you go to Clippers games, and I'll be curious to see if the Lakers follow the same pattern. I haven't been to one of their games in a decade, but there's now a relentless focus on everything non-basketball Yeah, <laughs> to, to the point where it's not even clear that you're supposed to be looking at the court during the game. Right. And it's, it's sort of a lesson on writing. It's sort of a lesson on showmanship, sort of a lesson on presentation that they, apparently they have so little faith in the product of basketball that they will do anything to keep you from knowing you're at a basketball game, it, it's as though, you know, you show up for a date and you have no self-confidence. So you pull up in a yellow Lamborghini and you're wearing like 50 gold chains and Louis Vuitton and, and you're going oh, like, Louis Vuitton. you go, awesome. look at anything but me and don't examine my personality. Just look at this. Like, because I yeah. swear to God, they're going like 
four times during the game. They were like, all right, there's a barcode up on the Jumbotron, and you can vote on the song we'll play between the third and fourth quarters. Like, who gives a shit about that? I don't care what fucking song you're going to play when the third quarter ends. And then I have iTunes. I can hear any song I want at any moment of my life. It's not like I go, oh, my God, this is my last chance to hear Welcome to the Jungle. I better vote for it. If I vote for Welcome to the Jungle, I can hear Welcome to the Jungle right now and know that First I was part of the, of the voting. First like, joke of the, the day. Fuck? <laughs> well, wait, what was the song? Well, <laughs> the funny part, it was, it was like a runoff between Hell's Bells, Welcome to the Jungle, and Lose Yourself, and it was Lose Yourself in a Landslide. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. But yeah, they that... were just, you know, they're, they're firing T-shirts into the crowd, and yeah. they're, Are they you worried know, about I, I would have uh, maybe written in Anne Murray's You Needed Me. <laughs> I cry a tear. You can't write it. Oh, okay. Damn. <laughs> but you know they're, they're, they're parachuting T-shirts in into the ground, and the loudest cheer of the night was uh, midway through the, the fourth quarter. The Jalen Brown got fouled, went to the free throw line, and they said if he misses both free throws, everyone gets a free chicken sandwich. Yeah. So he misses both free throws, and it was like they won a championship, which I I, I, I get like. You know, it's it's nice to go to Chick-fil-A and show them your Clippers chicken. I, I've never even been to Chick-fil-A. I don't Same. like fried chicken. so I. But you yeah. go, I, you know, Kawhi Leonard, Jason Tatum, Paul Jordan, like some of the best players in the world. Is there no faith in the product? Right. Yeah, I know. There isn't. I, you're totally right. It's, it's always like... Here's uh, Ken Dawson, who's been a Clippers ticket holder since 2014. If he can throw this balled up sock into the basket from three quarter court, he gets a razor scooter. Oh, you know? They're trying now. I, you know, I guess they think that it'll drive season ticket sales to go. They had a guy who was like honorary season ticket captain go out yeah. with the captains before the game. And there's just some dude standing there as they, you know, when they read the rules or yeah. tell them about the jump ball. And then you go, is that thrilling for you to be placed in in a situation where you shouldn't be? Like if they go, and, you know, standing next to the surgeon is a guy <laughs> who gave to the hospital. Like why would, if, if you're an important person and presumably you have the money to do this, like don't you have any discretion of, of going... It's just enough that I have a better seat than everyone. Yeah. Well, we can we can ask we can ask a longtime disgusty Jonathan Cabay, who's a big Clippers fan, and I've noticed he has been down in that position before. I've seen pictures of him like he's our honorary sort of fan today. So maybe he can offer a counterpoint on that as to why know. it's so thrilling. Um, but also the Celtics lost. They've lost now two in a row. So we got the we Warriors the, the big, broke their brains. I know. So we gotta <laughs> we gotta get it back together tonight against the Lakers. I don't care who wins. <laughs> I do. Yes, you do. Come I on. Don't I don't care about the Celtics. What? What is wrong? I'm, I'm a Warriors you? fan. You know this. You have shaken off. So all close of your to the roots. Warriors. <laughs> the Warriors. <laughs> the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, JC can relate to that. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to send out the Zoom link four oh days my God. in advance. But what about, what about, when do I do I know, this? What time are we meeting? What oh time? God, Let's confirm this. Let's circle back. Uh, now, Goldie, you were, you were saying before today's show that you have some kind of a, some kind of a quiz. quiz? I thought this would be fun. All right, I have yeah. a quiz for you guys. So right. I really struggled with Johnny jokes this week. And, you know, I have certain websites I go to to get my premises. Yeah. Cool. And then I try to write my punchlines. And one of these websites is TMZ.com, which mm -hmm. is like a celebrity gossip site. I think now, it know. used to be 
I wrote for the Showbiz Show with David Spade, and I wrote monologue for Kilborn, D.L. Hughley. Ooh, I used to know data. who everyone was. If yeah. anyone was a celebrity, yeah. I knew them. Sajaya. <laughs> Sajaya. <laughs> Sajaya's sister. Jakeezy. Yeah, <laughs> um, didn't you used to say something about a vault? Yeah, no. Uh, well, Pat O'Brien, <laughs> right. who, who was this celebrity reporter for, I guess, Entertainment Tonight, and he had his own show, and I would watch that show to get ideas for premises. And he he was constantly talking about celebrities would let him in and then open up their vault. So it was like, <laughs> this weekend I sit down with Lucille Ball. She opens up her vault. Shows exclusive footage of Desi Arnaz on the set of I Love Lucy. <laughs> it was like but a, the idea I that- sit down with David Brenner and Ty Babylonia who open up their vault. Shows exclusive pictures of Ty Babylonia's exclusive 1976 to 1984 just, Olympic just the, just the idea that Sanjaya has a vault. He was obsessed with Sanjaya. And he's like, chaos breaks out on the set of American Idol is Sanjaya. <laughs> opens up his vault. Sanjaya opens up his vault. <laughs> he was great. Uh, so, so anyway, yeah. I used to know who everyone was. Right, same. Increasingly. I don't know who anyone is. Yeah. And their names have gotten to the point where you go, like, because they're almost Instagram products now. They're not even yeah. and TikTok people. And, yeah. yeah. So TikTok. I came up with a 22-item uh, quiz. Wow. And I just want you to guess, is this a real person or someone I made up? <laughs> oh, 22 oh, times. This. Wow. Okay? okay. So I hope you have one through 22 written down. You don't even have to say as we go along. Maybe I can just say them and, and you we do it at the end. I'll say, I'll reveal it. Uh, well, wait, but, wait, we we should say as we go. Okay, right? let's say yeah. as we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number one, La Demi. La Demi. <laughs> I'm going to say real because I think you start with a real one. Okay. Uh, yes, real. La Demi is real. Okay. Yes. But, Number two, that was all one word, yeah. skin in the game. Real. Skin in the game. Real. I believe JC. Fake. <laughs> oh! Okay, so just, just so going you know, just so you know, you're on quicksand. Oh, this <laughs> is so great! I love it. I love it. The because you said the, so it's really number got me three. With Quavo. Oh, that's yeah, real. That's He's real. from Migos. Real. Okay, it's real. Quavo from Migos. Okay. Yeah. Number four. Sza. Sza. Yes. Yeah. Real. Okay. Real. S- yes. Again, real. I'm ignorant. Like I'm not. I'm in no way like belittling or making fun of these people or their names. I just don't fucking know. No, I love it. I love it. Okay, number five. Scam Artez. Fake. Fake. Okay, you're right. You scammed us. You were trying to scam us. (laughs) Number six, Tanner Buchanan. Uh, I don't know. Fake. I I say fake. Real. Oh, YouTuber? Tanner Buchanan is real. Number seven, Young, Y-U-N-G, Young Miami. Oh, fake. That's a good one. Uh, I guess I'll say fake. I've never heard of this. Young Miami is real. (gasps) Young Miami is real. (laughs) Ah, uh, they're all their last name is Israel. Everybody. Number eight, Braka Shaka, fake. Yeah, I've, that's fake. Okay, that's a good one though. Yeah. Number so nine, a boogie with the hoodie. I think uh, it's real. I'm gonna say fake. Okay, it's real. Oh, I feel like I've heard of it. Number ten, AKA sweeps. No oh, idea. I'll fake. say no. I'll say fake. Okay. You're right. These are really good at making them up, though. I know. They're good names. Number 11, 
Damphibio Daniels. D apostrophe Amphibio Daniels. Fake. I'll say real. Fake. It's so good. You're so good at that. <laughs> Number 12. Love the apostrophe. August Alsina. Uh, Fake. I, real, real, real. That one's real. <laughs> I'm really bad at this. <laughs> Number 13, Marin Morris. Oh, that's real. She was on SNL as well. Okay. I believe. I believe. I don't, again, I don't know She's who anyone saying, is. Um, I don't know who anyone is. With Zed, that middle song. Number Ladder 14, three. French Montana. Oh, real. Okay. I, I believe JC. I'm ignorant. Okay. <laughs> Number 15, Lazarius Dando. Fake. Fake. I don't know. I've never heard. That's a good one, though. That name, though. That's such a you name. <laughs> Number 16, Jane Schneck. <laughs> Fake. Uh, real. Fake. Real. Oh. Aaron Carter's mother, Jane what Schneck. The, what the Schneck? <laughs> Number 17, Ivana Knoll. Real. Ooh, fake. Real. Oh. <laughs> Whoa, you don't say. N- number 18, <laughs> Philip Fallop. <laughs> I want to say real because I know, it's I know, so I want to say real because that's too goofy to make up. Real. It's so good. No, of course that's fake. Come on. Man. That's so fake. I love now, that you one. You know that's like. You've got us so battered now. Philip <laughs> Fallop. Yeah, what's up? Which way is up? Exactly. <laughs> number 19, Juju Beats. Juju Beats? Juju Beats. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I don't know. I'll say real, but Fake. it's a guess. Real. Oh. <laughs> number 20, Railroad Bum. <laughs> <laughs> fake? Fake. That's fake. Yeah, that's, a great, <laughs> that's great, though. It's so You have us so battered that it seems plausible. <laughs> number 21, Bout That. Oh. Mm, real. I guess I'll say real. Fake. <laughs> There's no one named about that. <laughs> Not How yet. About number that? 22. Real or fake? Snafu. Wow. Real. I'll say fake. Fake. It's oh, uh, a good I think one. It was close. It was close. It's JC closed so, the gap there I mean, at the end. We're through the looking glass oh, yes. on, on who a celebrity is. Yeah. Thank you for putting those together. Yeah. It was fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, what did you say? Philip Fallop? <laughs> Philip like, Fallop. Real. I know. That one was just for me. <laughs> yeah. Who? Who? But who was? Wasn't there an Idol winner, Phil Philip Phillips? Oh, Probably. Winner. Yeah. Wow. I think he won. I love that. He won. He may have been a, a deep voice country guy. Oh, yes. I love that you say might. I think you might know. I, I might know. <laughs> I might be picturing him in my mind. Diana de Guacamo wasn't on that list. <laughs> Diana de Guacamo. <laughs> Diana. By the way, opens she's, up her she's real. Vault. <laughs> yeah. Opens up the vault. The crystal light vault. <laughs> of course, he, he famously, you know, his come down was those phone messages that were released. Where he pestered that woman into having a three-way. Oh yeah, do you remember this? And then he had to go to rehab. He's like, Betsy, if you're into it, be it. Uh, we got yeah. cocaine with me, you. In a room. If you're into it, just look at me. Don't say yes. And he calls uh, yeah. right back. He's like, oh, we're, we're, You're so hot. You're so fucking hot. If you're yeah. into it, just don't even don't even say yes. Just look at me and don't just just come over. Just be in the room. Don't say anything. And we're into it. You're so funny. <laughs> he was. You know, he's he in was. Rehab. He was like the main CBS basketball guy when we were growing up. Do you remember the Super Bowl where Tom Brady went and shook his hand before the game and then they lost? Oh. No. Oh, the, against the like, Giants? Oh, Tom Brady's now too big a celebrity. Was it against? It must have been against the Giants. 
I think it was. The, the Giants opened up their vault. <laughs> <laughs> and little Joe Morris <laughs> sits down with us, opens up his vault. <laughs> okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Uh, All right, well, we're rolling, so let's roll right in to Johnny Jokes. Whoa! (laughs) From Hollywood, where I no longer have any role. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. It's just one of those impressions that people just like better than you and is more fun than your actual person. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Always. All right. Well, we just talked about him. Uh, Tom Brady faced Brock Purdy when the Bucks played the 49ers last week. Uh, analysts noted, while Purdy ain't Brady, Brady sure is Purdy. <laughs> and a follow-up, follow-up on that very one. Very good, Brock Purdy. Joke. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, one of the one of the first. Uh, Tom Tom Brady requested a hundred tickets for the game as he grew up in the Bay Area. And while a hundred sounds like a lot, Brady still couldn't get a bunch in. <laughs> I need the rim shot. How do you do that? And and more importantly, why do you do that? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Here's a word sandwich. Uh, The U.S. has formally charged Libyan Abu Aguila Mohammed Masoud Kair Al-Marimi in connection with the 1988 bombing of a Pan Am jet. Uh, Officials say he would have been arrested sooner, but they were filling out his name on the warrant. (laughs) <laughs> it's, just, name. it's a great joke but then you bring up that exploded jet and it's really hard to 88 88 who the hell knows what happened then philip fallop okay here's the last philip one fallop. philip fallop oh here's one uh dorothy pitman hughes co-founder of ms magazine has passed away at the age of 84 she will be sorely missed <laughs> Those were all very good. Thank you. See why you, you get the big bucks, my Johnny Dose. Okay. And and incidentally, when someone dies, we've requested JC not play the he gone during the <laughs> Thank you. I Just for the pacing it. of yeah. that one. It was I tough. can't kill the little, tiny amount of momentum that we may have gained. <laughs> so I she's agree. not slacking. <laughs> Thank we you just, for saying that. We just asked for mercy. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. A legendary Air Force pilot who parachuted from 19 miles above the Earth died at 94. Yeah, that shoot hit the ground pretty hard. (laughs) (laughs) 
kind of like that Jeff Ross joke when we started out. Do you remember where he's like, my aunt, who's 110 years old, died this week. And someone asked me, how'd she die? <laughs> yeah, she wiped out her motorcycle on the <laughs> I-95. He would just list a bunch of things. That That's clearly hilarious. A woman didn't do. It was a very funny joke. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, the Orlando airport could run out of fuel on Sunday, producing thousands of flight delays that actually happen for a reason. <laughs> Most flight delays, you have yeah, no yeah, idea. Yeah, These yeah, are not yeah. good this week. No, I would, I, like you, I would, my mind was elsewhere until the punchline. But also yeah. you took a breath like you were going to say like a follow-up. It, so you like, know, the problem is that the, the punchline is in the sentence is the premise. So there's right? no, like yes. normally you would have, here's the premise, here's yes. the punchline. But this was yeah. a thinker. Yeah. Brevity, yeah. brevity. <laughs> and here's a short one, but okay. I, I did it right. Okay. Uh, CVS has settled a class action lawsuit over its use of opioids for $5 billion. Yeah. The receipt is a trillion miles long. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. And I, you know what? I'll I'll finish on a norm. Okay. Uh, Let me down this. Okay. Due to dipping attendance, churches are getting creative to attract and keep new members. Yeah. They're trying innovations such as community gardens, outdoor services, and not molesting kids. (laughs) 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 Oh, the norms always have such a strong ending. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Wow. Guys, listeners, folks, you can't say guys anymore. This is a huge moment for this podcast. Yes. We are so excited. And and I I started writing down all this man's accomplishments for, for an intro, but we would that would be the entire interview. So I'm just going to bring out our guest, the legend, the man, the myth, uh, a hero of ours. Please yes. welcome Mr. Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I, I can't say guys anywhere. Sorry about the oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, can I just start with? Yeah, I got goosebumps just thinking about it. Thank you. We all have goosebumps. I I, I can't even begin to think about yeah. how this happened, but we're so excited that yeah. it did. And I think it really happened because you're an incredibly nice guy. Generous human. did not say fuck off when I said, would you, would you like to be on this podcast? But one of the things that as we were, we were ramping up to this and I, I was excited telling people that we were going to get to talk to you as I'm sure Goldie and JC were, and we yes. were certainly talking amongst ourselves. And it's amazing how so many people had almost the exact same reaction as though they, they had been given a script where first off they were incredibly excited. And then they said, that's my childhood. And they heard that you're going to be here. So many people said, that's my childhood. And of course, we all feel the same, same way. We're around the same age. Do fans get emotional when they meet you? Does that ever happen? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, because, uh, you know, I've been around for a long time, obviously, and, and uh, they, they have a, a lot of nostalgic memories. And, and you know, uh, sometimes when they meet me, they become 12 years old again. So, yeah, yes. it's, it's kind of neat, like during the meet and greets after the show, or some people will just kind of break down because it's sort of like they're just re-experiencing their whole childhood. I have Incredible. just, uh, I can feel it crawling up my back. You bring out <laughs> such an emotion. And, I'm feeling and it I think too. for, for, and Goldie, you can speak to this too, because 
because Goldie and I are both pretty grumpy, cantankerous guys. Cut to me like 10 minutes ago trying to get my <laughs> goddamn computer to work. But we're, we're both pretty, you know, cynical, grumpy guys. But the thought of you and, and what you have given to our lives is just joy and laughter and smiles. And oh, so, nice to say. Thank, wow. Well, true. thank you for that. And uh, I mean, were you always growing up as a kid? Were you like infectiously fun for people or did you feel like an outsider and this is just sort of all happened through your career? I, I never thought of myself as infectiously fun, uh, particularly when I was a teenager in my <laughs> early years. I mean, I was I was totally a nerd. You know, like when, when I write a song like White and Nerdy, that comes from a lifetime of experience. Yeah. Uh, but, I, you know, I was, I was the high school valedictorian. I graduated when I was 16, went to college when I was 16. I, I always was like not really accepted. I was always an outsider. Uh, and and so definitely that. But I, 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 I never really thought of myself as bringing joy to the masses oh, well. <laughs> at that age. You've brought that in abundance, certainly throughout your career. And now it's so you bring up you graduated at 16. And I was reading a little bit about this, that it was that the same year that you had. And this is the one of the ballsiest things I've heard when I read about people, you made a demo tape or tape of your parody songs or your first fun songs. And you presented them to Dr. Demento, who was speaking at your high school. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, the, the very first uh, thing I gave Dr. Demento, I, I handed him in person a cassette tape uh, and because he was doing like an after-school assembly at, at Linwood <laughs> High School. And uh, he never played that tape. And in fact, he lost. It's been lost to the ages, thankfully. Wow. <laughs> right. uh, but yeah, I mean, I used to just record stuff in my bedroom uh, on a little 39-cent compact cassette uh, <laughs> and send it into the show. And sometimes he would play it and sometimes he wouldn't. That's, Whoa. I mean, Dr. Demento is also, you know, go, uh, we we all kind of grew up listening to his awesome. Oh, yeah. do, do you remember the first thing that got on the air? Like the, the absolute first thing? Because for me, I remember when I first had a joke on television and I was like, my words on TV. Yeah, yeah no, it was, uh, it was uh, in 1976. It was a song about my family uh, car. Uh, we had a big black 1964 Plymouth Belvedere with red upholstery and push button transmission. And I wrote a song called Belvedere Cruising. And uh, it, it was funny. a horrible song. It was juvenile <laughs> and stupid. Uh, but do uh, Dr. Nemeto played it. And he told me this after the fact. He said, if, if you're playing the guitar, I would have thrown the tape away. But here was like a 16 year old kid playing the accordion and thinking he was cool. <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> I got to give this guy some, some exposure. That's awesome. Uh, now, now, when when you were growing up and you were listening to music, were you just like kind of a, a pop guy? Were you a Beatles guy or were you like my dad used to play me Spike Jones, you know, in his orchestra, his wacky orchestra. And they would have like cool songs like that. Did you listen to that kind of stuff or did was your music taste eclectic or were you kind of right down the middle? Kind of all of the above. I mean, uh, I listened to uh, uh, pop music and top 40 radio when I was in my early teens. And then I got into the more, the, more the AOR stuff like, you know, uh, KMET and KLOS and all the album oriented rock. Uh, and, and that's, you know, KMET is the, the, the station that broadcasts the Dr. Amato show. So every yes. Sunday night. I was exposed to Spike Jones and yeah. Alan Sherman and Stan Freeberg and Tom Lehrer and Zappa and Monty Python and everybody else. Yes. So I, I got, got a, you know, they used to say that the, uh, 
the uh, the rock and roll on KMET was the meat and potatoes, and the Dr. Demento show was the dessert at the end of the week. <laughs> oh, that's perfect, perfect way of putting it. Um, now, I, I also read something in your in your bio that said that you used to play, and this this term that was used, I hope it's real because it it really made me laugh. That you used to kind of like insert yourself into this local folk night that was kind of like a mellow evening and and i believe the the term yeah. that you, you do you remember the term you used to describe the people there i'm not sure what, what did you you, you, you you called them wannabe dan fogelbergs <laughs> <laughs> that's accurate that's pretty yeah. accurate yeah i mean what are they so what what were the how, what was the reaction to you at, in a crowd of wannabe dan fogelbergs uh it was a, a lot of drop to uh drop to jaws and people <laughs> yeah. didn't know what to think and 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 after a while people started to get into it and that that fact that was my first real positive reinforcement uh because I, i'd never gotten gotten laughed and gotten reaction from a crowd before and that was you know i, I sort of mainlined that like wow this is amazing <laughs> so that was that was kind of the start of it all like going to this like place that was like doing folky like acoustic guitar music and coming there with my accordion and my friend who played the bongos and we would play like just bizarre stuff we, we did a medley of, of every song ever written in the history of the world and the crowd the crowd was uh both confused and delighted so that, oh, that was the start of it all you can't ask for a better reaction than that <laughs> confused and delighted now so at at home you know i don't know why i sort of picture you know dad smoking a pipe reading the paper while this accordion music is coming from the bedroom and he's shaking his head saying teenagers what were, were your parents supportive were they kind of like he's crazy or a mixture of both you know, they're the ones that decided that I should take accordion lessons, so they can't blame me for that. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I know in the, in the biopic, my dad beats the crap out of the accordion salesman. That didn't yeah, really happen so in real funny. life. That right. was so great. <laughs> yeah. But no, they, they, were, they were always very, very, uh, they, they thought if I took accordion lessons that I would be, uh, I would never be lonely. I would be the wife of every party. Like, who wouldn't want That's a so one-man band at their party? Oh, what a wonderfully old-fashioned take on popularity. <laughs> that is so great. Now, you brought up you brought up the movie, which we've all seen, and is yes. is hilarious. Thank you. You had yeah. so many. Like, I mean, how did this come to be, and when did you realize? Oh, I need to do a parody of a, of a music bio. Well, it, it started in 2010, which is when the, the original Funny or Die video came out. Eric Appel, right. uh, who directed the movie, he uh, he pitched me the idea of doing a, a bit for Funny or Die, which would be a fake trailer uh, for this biopic. Uh, and he just seen the the uh, the Biggie Smalls uh, biopic, mm. which, you know, he right. th said, I, I actually haven't seen it myself, but he said, it, 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 they, they play it around with the truth quite a bit there. Yes. <laughs> he said, why don't, why don't we do a biopic about... You, a person that famously has had very little drama in their lives, so, you know, fairly boring life. Right. Uh, and you're still alive, by the way. Right, right. <laughs> and we'll do a biopic based on that. And I thought, that's a great idea. And we, we collaborated on that. And, uh, and, and it was just a, a funnier dive video for nine years. I, I used to play it on my, in my live shows on stage. Right. Um, oh, cool. and, but, and everybody was like, oh, when's the movie coming out? And we'd say, no, 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 it's just a, it's just a video. <laughs> and finally, in 2009... Uh, I woke up one morning and I, I I said, no, this really should be a movie because, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody had just come out. Right. Uh, Rocket Man was just about to come out. Okay. And I, I thought, you know, we we could do a, a movie and just have it just go completely off the rails. I think I think we can make that work. Uh, yeah. Well, it totally worked. And I mean, you had so many great 
hilarious people doing cameos in the movie which always you know like we we've discussed will forte on this show before and just the the sight of him makes us just die laughing so was that i can imagine that it must have been kind of a fun set to be on it was so great you know it was a very quick shoot we shot the whole movie in 18 days wow uh, because it was a fairly low budget movie and we had to shoot it that quickly uh and but we had the nicest people in the world you know on that set like uh you know uh uh, Daniel Radcliffe and Will Forte and and you know Eric Appel's and everybody just had a great attitude about it. Right, and you think that people would be losing their minds, like you know we got to make our day, we're losing the light. <laughs> <Right>. You know, <laughs> everybody was very cool, and it was actually a joy. We all had a wonderful. I, I heard from so many crew people like this is the best set I've ever been on. Oh, oh wow. that's awesome. Well, it totally makes sense with everyone's sort of warm and fuzzy feelings towards you. So I'm glad to hear that the set was great because the movie turned out great, and now yeah. it's like fuck the rest of us what are we doing shooting for like three months and like killing ourselves when this came out it was great all right but let's go back to um would you say your first big hit was really my Bologna? was that safe to say well if you want to call that a hit i mean i uh, guess that that's the first time when, when anybody paid attention to me i guess yes <laughs> and, and and so was that because i read that you recorded one of your first hits in in a public bathroom was it that one that was it, yeah. And yeah. Which, which again, that is one of the few things on the movie that's actually true. My first single was, in fact, uh, recorded in a public restroom. Yeah. Oh, wow. God. Why it, not anywhere else? Why? <laughs> Literally anywhere else. It's was a it for track restroom, though? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's, was it that, for the reverb? The bathroom wall of sound. Yeah. Was it? Was it because of the reverb of the bathroom? Like that's you, exactly yeah, right. Because okay. they had those nice warm tiled walls. Yeah. And had a very nice. Sound. Uh, did you say the okay. bathroom wall of sound? Yes. yes. No, I think that that was uh, that. That was Phil Sphincter, right? The bathroom wall of sound. Now I watched something that made me laugh endlessly uh, for for about six reasons, which was, and I'm wondering if this was your first appearance on television. It was your performance of Another One Rides the Bus on the show with Tom Snyder. Yes. <laughs> so tomorrow, coast to coast. Yeah. So Tom Snyder, he's always always fascinated me because he has such an an older generation stiffness, but he's desperately trying to be like hip kind of, and he could barely get through your intro. He oh. kind of, he kind of mauled like what the song was, even though he had already said it, it was very confusing and it was typical Tom Snyder. And then it's you uh, and, uh, and your buddy playing percussion, whose name escapes me, but if you want to shout it out. John Bermuda it. Schwartz, he's still, he's still with me to this day. Oh, that's, that's right. Cool. That's awesome. So it's the two of you and you're just going, absolutely laying it all out there with another one uh, rides the bus. What could you feel what the audience's reaction was that night? Again, kind of confused and delighted, but you know, it was, uh, it, it was, it was looking back on it. It was pretty, it was pretty punk. It was uh, yes, a, yeah, very... a very punk performance. And, and Tom Snyder in, in a suit is like doing these dad jokes, trying to introduce <laughs> me and forgetting the name of the song. And it was just like, <laughs> Because I was one of three uh, novelty artists on that show. Oh, like, none of us were famous at the time. Right. Uh, and and uh, I was just like some wacky act that he just happened to have on just because that was like the theme of the night. Yeah. Uh, but it wound up being my very first ever national TV appearance. Well, wow. the, all my memories of Tom Snyder, of watching him, he was still fascinated that it was going out in color. <laughs> he would comment on that a lot. Like he would be like the color teeny coming to your living room. It's like, right, right, it's, right. That's not 
fascinating anymore. Like, it's but, like those hotels, like, we have color TV. Yes, yes. yes exactly. All the letters are different color. Right, right. He was a, a living motel sign. That's, that's, that's so true. Um, now, something that really interests me, because working uh, at, at Family Guy, we often... Uh, we'll write something and we'll want to use a song in a certain scene or a song in a certain way. But half of the time, we can't clear it. They won't allow it. So I'm fascinated. How did that process begin for you that people were like, OK, sure, you can use my song and, and do this? How, how did that work for you? Well, it started with another one, Rides the Bus, which I just did on the Demento show. You know, and this was before I had a record deal or anything. And I just did it. And we heard from Queen's uh, lawyer saying, um, you didn't get permission for this. And yeah. I was like, do I need to? That <laughs> it, was, it was a quick education. Thankfully, they were very cool about it. But I learned pretty quickly that you kind of, and, and it, it is sort of a gray area, as you know. But but yeah. um, but yeah, we always you know make sure that now that we get the permission of the original songwriters. Yeah, and I would imagine now, you know, and by now, I mean, anytime after, you know, 1983, I'm sure people were thrilled to, <laughs> To have you kind of parody their song but was there ever a song that you w really wanted to do and the people were like no yeah it, it's pretty rare uh famously prince never let me do anything i had about a half a dozen ideas that i pitched him on over the uh, years can you hit us with the title Oh, gosh. You know, uh, originally uh, in, in the movie UHF, instead of a Dire Straits parody, it was going to be a parody of uh, uh, Let's Go Crazy, again, about the, the Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there was a, a parody of 1999 uh, called 1999, but it was like an infomercial thing for just 1999. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you know, and, and several ideas like that. And they were all, you know, various degrees of clever, but I mean, none of them got approved. Uh, yeah. Do you pitch yeah. them directly or do you pitch their people who pitch them? Because in my experience, that makes a big difference. Yeah. You know, I, I don't I didn't have Prince's home phone number, so I couldn't. Uh, do that. Uh, <laughs> but so it's like my peeps talking to his peeps. So maybe it lost something in translation. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's possible. Now, obviously, you know, eat it and fat are were two just <laughs> titanic home runs for you. And did you ever get a chance to meet Michael Jackson in person? I did. I I, uh, I think twice. I, I went to uh, one of his uh, concerts in L.A. and I got to go backstage and present him with a, with a gold album which for my album, oh. Even Worse, which had the, the fat parody on it. Yeah. Uh, and he, he was gracious. He was like, oh, I'll, I'll throw this on the pile. Thank you. You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's like and that clearance process was smooth. They were OK with that. They said, yeah, you didn't uh, fat. And that, that kind of was a big uh, a big turning point because actually prior to uh, eat it, it was a little difficult for my manager to get his phone calls returned. Yeah. Uh, and when we approached Michael Jackson, we we didn't think that he'd you know get back to us even because he was like the most popular being in the universe. Yes, uh, but he did, and and there's now a contract with my signature next to Michael Jackson's signature saying that we are the co-writers of Eat It. And now whenever, you know, ever since 1984, if, if anybody was giving us a hard time with permission, we could say, well, you know, Michael Jackson. Yeah. Was, you know, <laughs> oh, that's so great. And yeah. boy, I mean, you talk about, uh, you know, you're our childhood. The, the Eat It video was I, such a stunning. We have to spend some time yes, on this. Please go. A little <laughs> bit of time because 
I I think you know when you're a kid and as I was suburban Boston and and Alec and I have talked about this that comedy used to be very hard to find and you would have to seek it out. It's not like today where you just go, I'm going to go on Twitter and mainline and like so the process of finding it was part of the joy and that's what made you a nerd is like your ability to scare up comedy yes, and so yeah. I. Like I became, I don't even know how I became aware of the song first, but uh, you know, so I had this cassette that I probably took my allowance and rode my bike to buy, and then I heard like V sixty six, which was like local MTV, yes, had this video of of Eat It, and when I saw it, I was just like, I I didn't at first. I was like, I don't even understand what I'm watching because like (laughs) he took the Beat It video. But it's funny. Like I was just, I was just like, "Hang on!" Like there was no one to talk to. But I'm like, "Hang on! This changes everything." There's a video of a video I know, but instead of serious, it's now funny. And so I was just like, "I need to see this again." But of course, there's no way to do that other than like, now I'm gonna sit here like I'm on a stakeout with a bunch of sandwiches in the dark and wait for this thing to come back on because I, I'm like, I think I dreamed it or something. Like I just, it was just I hadn't seen anything like it so I, I, like when the garage door goes down and like it like hits it I, like i was like i and i'm a comedian now and I, th- I think i've written to you on email before i don't know if you remember that i was like this was like a huge moment for me yes. that you could take things were serious and do a funny version of them and i imagine like all a- across america there were people isolated in their bedroom having our age having like this similar, it was, it's like my Bruce Madeline's is eating. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. It's true. I love that. I, I was going to say, I was, I was on a set with Seth Meyers recently and he had a similar story. He said he was in a car uh, and he heard eat it on the radio for the first time and he had to pull over and say, this, 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 this changes it all. Yeah. <laughs> He's a hundred percent right. And he didn't even have the video because I remember <laughs> thinking, when you are doing his breathing and you steam up the camera and eat it like that for me, as Goldie describes, just like that was a, a watershed moment for comedy. And I mean, did you, when you're in the middle of making that video, um, I know it was quite a while ago now, but when and you, you're doing these gags, like the steaming up of the thing, are you aware in the moment you're like that? That is good. Like, that'll be funny. We hope. I mean, that's during the writing process. You're writing it out and you're storyboarding it and you think, oh, well, hopefully this will work. And uh, when you're shooting it, it's mostly like making sure you're doing it fast enough so that you're going to not run out of time. Right. <laughs> and who who paid for that? The record company or you? Yeah. Or? Well, all music videos, the way it works is is the, rec- the record industry pays for everything up front and then you pay back half of it through royalties. So in essence, Re-recoup. I pay for half of it. Right. Wow. So it behooves me to keep the budget down if, if at all possible. <laughs> well, that video and and it's funny because I in in looking back at your stuff and of course uh, so much of it I remember from my childhood. There was one that I feel like it it doesn't quite get talked enough uh talked about enough, but w- it's just so funny to me and I'm just wondering if you have any specific memories of living with a hernia. Oh my god, oh, and that living in America parody with living with a hernia and I I remember as a as a 12-year-old kid just dying laughing at that. Like what 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 brought that one on? Um, other than the song itself, obviously. Uh, uh, James Brown was on my record label, which is Scotty Brothers Records. He was oh, a really big artist. And uh, I don't think they strong-armed me into doing the parody, but they they thought it would be a great idea if I did a James <laughs> Brown parody. 
And I thought living with a hernia was maybe a bit of a stretch, but I thought, oh, you know, that that, that could probably work. I, I went to the library. This is before the internet still. Yeah. I went to the library and researched hernias for a week. <laughs> and and then, I, then I worked with a dance choreographer because even, you know, the, the, the joke, again, like with the Michael Jackson video, the joke is like, I'm not a dancer at all, but I'm trying really hard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. Really trying to dance it like works. Michael Jackson and James it, Brown. It totally worked. It totally worked. <laughs> And I remember one other thing about the video was um, we'd had to do like seven or eight or nine takes of me doing the spins and l- doing landing in a split. And I had a huge purple bruise for about a month after that. Oh, <laughs> God. Takes, yeah. <laughs> well, it was uh, you left it all out on the floor and we yeah. appreciate can, it. Can I <laughs> interject and ask you about like uh, some of the music? I mean, because I guess your main instrument is the accordion, right? Yeah. And do you play other instruments or... Not well. I mean, you know, on, on stage, on stage, I'll play a harmonica and ver- various other kind of like percussion instruments. But I never learned how to play the guitar. Uh, if you ever see me with the guitar in my hands, it's totally a prop. Uh, <laughs> you know, because I've, I've got a great guitar player on my band. He's been with me for forty years, and I, I kind of never really had any need to learn yeah. so uh yeah I, I, and i and i fake it badly if you watch any <laughs> videos where i'm holding a guitar it does not look <laughs> yeah. real. But as, a, as a musician and the, and just the art of music and like as someone who plays the guitar every day it like do you find you're still improving at accordion and finding new things and new joy or did you sort of like is accordion something where you play it for three years and you're like got it now i can just nail this proficiently and and do it like i really don't know anything about accordion other than i mean i've seen it i i I like to think that i'm a a a decent and competent accordion player but i mean i've seen people on youtube that would you know run circles around me because i mean to be a, a real professional you need to play it like nine hours a day and be really serious about it. Yeah. And I basically just pick it up when I need to. Yeah. And I, I know the basics and I can learn virtually any song, yeah. uh, but I couldn't like pick it up and play some amazing solo that I've never played before in my life. So <laughs> you have perfect pitch. Like when you hear a song, can you then get it on the accordion real fast or do you need some sort of music or tablature? I, I, I don't have perfect pitch, but I have relative pitch. Yeah. So as soon as yeah. I figure out what key it's in, then I can pretty much play it by ear. I have a I have a follow up question on the music. When when you are producing or creating the music beds for your for your parody songs, are you trying to emulate or use the same instrumentation and even sound patches from keyboards as the original songs? Like like if they use a DX7 for something, would you yeah. try to find the same sound from the DX7? That's what we do now. Like the first couple albums, we weren't that concerned about it. In fact, on the first album, I think we threw accordion on every song, whether we needed it or not. <laughs> okay. uh, but but the idea now is that we try to fool people into think into thinking they're hearing the original song. Yeah. And then like, wait a minute, these lyrics aren't right. <laughs> uh, so so yeah. And my I've had again, I've had the same band for four decades, and they're great at what they do, and they play every genre imaginable. And sometimes, like like you said, like they'll they'll contact the original artist or musicians yeah. and say, what was uh, what keyboard did you use? What was your guitar pick? up on this like yes. you know or if there's some kind of crazy sample sometimes they'll even borrow a sample yeah, uh, yeah. so we, we try as much as we can to emulate the original recording that's awesome that was a great question jc um i worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole well good thing instacart shoppers are as picky as you are they find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now, I'm I'm vaguely trying to go chronologically here, but I, I we definitely have to stop to talk for a minute about your cameo in Naked Gun. Okay, <laughs> so again, we've been talking about the Eat It video, how that was kind of a watershed moment. Naked Gun the movie itself obviously for so many people was a huge comedy revolution and your cameo in that stands out like when you think of that movie you maybe think of two or three jokes and that your cameo is always the first one I think of I use that scenario in my life so often when I'm like you know people aren't looking at me it's like oh yeah Weird Al Yankovic was on the plane but how did did they approach you about that? Like, how did that come to pass? Well, what happened was uh, Robert K. Weiss, who uh, produced uh, The Naked Gun, is somebody that I had worked with before. He he did a a home video called The Complete Al, uh, which which included the the Like a Surgeon video and a few others. So I I knew the producer. And... uh, um, Police Squad, the six-episode series that uh, inspired The Naked Gun, uh, was my favorite TV show of all time. I just thought it was the most amazing show. And when I found out that that Robert K. Weiss was going to direct or going to produce a movie based on the TV show, I contacted him and I said, Bob, you know, I'll do craft services. I'll be in the (laughs) crowd scene. I don't care. I want to be somewhere on set. Put me in the movie somewhere. And I I guess he told uh, the directors and... um, and uh, they wrote that scene for me. Oh, and it's it's such a great joke. I mean, not to deconstruct why it's so funny, but in short, you are making fun of yourself. Like sure. it, it, there, there's sort of an element of that where it's like, not only are they not cheering for you, they're cheering for Weird Al Yankovic. So it's like, it, but so that to me- But it's was also al- kind of true that yes. you do get that reaction. <laughs> yeah. you do, oh, so it's- totally. But it, it also just- it really endears you to certainly me and I know millions of people when you see somebody who, yes, they their business is kind of parodying this and making fun of that, but they also can make fun of themselves. It makes you feel so much more relatable and accessible, I think, to your fans. I, I, I want to say that during uh, the 80s, I was a single man and I would take a series of first dates to watch The Naked Gun. <laughs> them I was in the movie. And, and sometimes I'd even wear the same shirt that I'm wearing on screen. Just oh, to that's great. Mess with them, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, now, I, I read a, a quote and this this to me is just such an, an interesting kind of clash of, of cultures, not even a clash, but a meld. When you... Uh, did your song smells like nirvana kurt cobain famously said that's when he knew nirvana had made it oh, i mean wow. was that was that cool for you because that was yeah. the, nirvana was such a revolution like 
I, I love Nirvana. I mean, you know, I, I, I still can't wrap my head around that. I mean, I, I picked up a copy of his uh, Kurt Cobain's journals and I, I was thumbing through it and it, he wrote in the margin on one of the pages, uh, Al Yankovic is a modern rock genius. Oh, oh my God. God. That's <laughs> great. Wow. Oh, God, whose diary, Goldie, do we have to find for any such, <laughs> such phrase? I don't know. I don't Dear think, diary. but that, that, that to me is so cool that you're like, you, you know, as you say, a self-described outsider, a nerd, and you come in and do these parodies, but then somehow you become a part of each new wave of, you know, literally new wave punk, <laughs> uh, then, you know, the the 80s kind of music, and then the 90s kind of music, and then the 2000s, you're like attached with each decade, each wave that comes on the beach, you're a, a big part of. I mean, that must be so cool. It's, you... it's, it's kind of nice because part of my job description is to shamelessly leech off of whatever's popular. <laughs> so, so, you know, you, you, can't, you can't fault me for that because that's always been baked into the formula. Did you ever... <laughs> like have a regular job or have you just been able to do this your entire life for, for very briefly i i i uh i graduated college with a degree in architecture which i've never used wow. uh, except as a drink coaster uh, <laughs> and, and, and i worked for two years uh at westwood one which is a radio syndication company i was i was in the mail room for a while then i had a boring desk job in, in the traffic department uh, and I remember I, I gave my notice uh, the day that I went to the post office to pick up the mail and uh, a billboard magazine was sticking out of the bag and I opened it up and, and uh, one of my songs was in, was in the billboard Hot 100. Oh my oh. God. Maybe I should be Weird Al full time. Maybe I should. <laughs> uh, that's, wow, that's Whoa. the perfect time to hand yeah. in your notice. What a cool moment I for know. you must have been. That's awesome. Did you tell them about that or were you just like, I'm leaving? <laughs> I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they they yeah. gave me two weeks. <laughs> Look at this, suckers. Um, so now I just want to, because we're, this is ostensibly a writing podcast. So I want to highlight here one of your lyrics, which I just, I think it's just so awesome, well-constructed. And then maybe we can talk for a minute about your writing process. So the song is uh, Amish Paradise, you know, based on Gangster's Paradise. Uh -huh. It's a hilarious parody song. The very first line of that, I'm just going to read it out here. It is so funny. As I walk through the valley where I harvest my grain, I take a look at my wife and realize she's very plain. <laughs> and it, that, it, like, so... When you are going to work on a song like that, is it, do you have the title when you hear Gangster's Paradise, you think to yourself, Amish Paradise, and then you're kind of off and running? Or how does that work for you when you sit down to write something like that? Yeah, I I, uh, I, I can think of a hundred bad ideas for a song parody, and hopefully one of those ideas will actually be good. Uh, <laughs> but as soon as I thought of Amish Paradise, I thought, oh, that's my single. I got to do this. Yes, you were right. <laughs> Because I immediately thought of like, you know, these Amish people living in the badlands of Lancaster, Pennsylvania, <laughs> and acting like gangsters. Yes. And uh, and yeah, it was. Uh, and, and then I watched the movie uh, Witness several times for oh, research. Yeah. Oh, great <laughs> movie. And, uh, and then I just just started like riffing on ideas like, you know, what it means to be Amish and what it means to like <laughs> be proud of that lifestyle and be, right. be braggadocious about you know living the simple life. Yeah. Well, do you so bounce it off anyone or do you just sit? in a room and kind of go at it it's 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 mostly by myself i mean if anybody will come into the room i'll ask them what they think and if they don't like it, i'll go what do you know <laughs> <laughs> so and 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 does it have you found over the years that you have that song writing a song parody takes it uh typically a certain length of time or does it vary 
Um, if, if I'm on a deadline, I, I generally give myself a week per song, uh, which, you know, when, when I first started out, I, I, Another One Rides the Bus was literally written in like 20 minutes because I, I just dashed it off because I didn't think I'd be playing it on stage 40 years later. It'll be fun for the Dr. Mano show. It'll be fun. So now that I know people actually care what I do, uh, I'll spend <laughs> at least a week, uh, sometimes, sometimes more. And I can write quicker if I need to, but that's usually what I give myself. Do you have ones you wrote that you thought at the time would be bigger and do better and ones that you wrote at the time that you were like, can't believe they were the ones that blew up? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's always the case because you never really know. Like, uh, I wrote two songs which I thought were uh, both about as good and both on the same subject. One is called It's All About the Pentiums and one called White and Nerdy. And they're both, oh. about, they're both about internet and nerd culture. And they both had great music videos. And, you know, I thought they both were good. But uh, the Pentiums one just kind of went away quickly. And White and Nerdy became my biggest selling single ever. So you just kind of never really know. Uh, maybe the key there, again, is self-deprecation. You're, you're, you're calling yourself White and Nerdy. People <laughs> like that. That could be. Could be. People are like, Pentium, what is that? Um, <laughs> now, you did an, uh, an amazing, and I remember watching this at, at the time, um, The your American Pie parody with Star Wars. Uh-huh. And, uh, and that seemed to be like you were doing that around Phantom Menace time, like right. 99 or 2000. Was that a song that was kind of on your radar for a while? Like, I want to parody this one day? I'd always loved uh, American Pie. That was one of my favorite songs when I was a kid, but it never really struck me that I needed to do a parody of it. Uh, but when I decided to do, uh, I was trying to figure out what to do with The Phantom Menace, you know, because I was thinking, like, what current song could I match this with? And none of the current contemporary songs seemed to work with it. Right. And then I thought, well, you know, Star Wars is such a... Um, you know, a, a franchise with such gravitas, maybe I need to like do like a classic rock song, like some classic song. And when I thought of American Pie and I thought of the first line a long, long time ago, oh, yeah. you know, very oh, Star yeah. Wars, you know, <laughs> I thought I have to do this. And the, the song was very long and lends, lends itself well to a, to a narrative structure and has, has several chapters to it. Yeah. And I thought, oh, this will be great. And, but I, I heard that Don McLean just never lets anybody do anything with the song. Yeah. Uh, so we, I, I, we try to get permission thinking that he'd turn us down and uh and he actually said yes so uh, you know it all worked out that's That's great so your your manager used the michael jackson card probably (laughs) again to your benefit Uh, anyway that was that is just such a cool song and did you have at that time any interaction with like lucasfilm or that end of it to to, for the star wars angle or did it just kind of we did uh yeah uh we got permission from uh from uh, george lucas uh, we, I actually asked if I could see an advanced screening of the movie. I got turned down for that. <laughs> uh, so the, the, the lyrics, uh, this is not a joke that the lyrics were written before I ever saw the movie. It was written all based on internet rumors. Wow, because there were so many cool. leaks happening online at the time that I was able to piece together the entire plot of the movie. Wow, that's, really that's cool. amazing! Because you make very specific references in that song, yeah. the characters that I, I had just naturally assumed that you had, you know, you had seen it. Another strange question that in in my research of you, uh, was it a particularly tough time for you when that Unabomber sketch came out? <laughs> I, I got a kick out of that. Norm McDonald's on SNL showing a picture of the uh, the Unabomber and he has had some kind of joke about, you know, Weird Al Yankovic still at large. <laughs> well, I, no wonder it must have been implanted in my brain that way. Okay, well, that wasn't an original thought by me then. I, I apologize. 
Um, now, so we talked about the film. We've talked about your process, your amazing hits, how you make us feel. Is there anything you want to talk about? Do you have something else? I know you've just done this movie. You've probably just come off of a press tour for it. Are you working on another album? No, I, I don't. I don't know that I'll ever do another traditional kind of album. Uh, I, I it took me 32 years to fulfill my contractual obligation. <laughs> what? Uh, I, I, wow. I was originally signed for 10 albums, which is already like this ridiculous draconian yeah. deal. Yeah. And then uh, uh, four more albums got added to it. So it took me 32 years to deliver 14 albums. So now I'm done. Uh, <laughs> oh my and, god! And you know, I, I like being able to put out stuff when I feel like it. And it was always a, a, a bit of a problem to wait around till I had 12 songs and then put them all out at mm -hmm. the same time. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, and on, honestly, I haven't been very prolific in terms of writing new music since my last album came out, but I still like the freedom of, you know, whenever I feel like it, I can just put something out. Yeah, you can really sing. Do you find it harder now? that, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it seems like everyone was listening to the same music at the same time and now everything is so disparate. Is it harder to land on what to actually do a parody of because things are less universally known? Yeah, and that's there. There are a number of problems and a number of uh, things that have made uh, writing parodies more difficult, and that's certainly one of them. Because in, in the '80s, there was more of a monoculture. Mm -hmm. Everybody watched MTV. Everybody was intimately familiar with the the Beat It video. So mm -hmm. you know, all I had to do was like just change a few things, tweak it here and there, and it was funny. Uh, and now you know, people are into the. Uh, their subgenres and whatever very specific mm -hmm. thing they're into. Uh, and there's so many options out there that, you know, there's certainly there are still superstars and still hit songs, but it's not like everybody is aware of it in the same way that they were 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I ask a couple questions as a writer, not, not of the music, but as screenplays? Cause we, I, that's the one area I feel like we, I'd like uh -huh. to, cause you, you co-wrote UHF, right? Yes. And you, and you co-wrote as well uh, the, the most, recent movie weird and so yeah. as i mean do you have aspirations as a screenwriter outside that um i'd like to do more i mean i i've i've never shied away from uh opportunities to work in feature films and tv and i, I would like to do more right i mean i i've enjoyed my music career and i don't want to give up on that but uh yeah I, i've always wanted to do more you know work you know i i enjoyed wor working with eric appel it was a, a a dream to to collaborate with him on a script and I like to do more with him. Were um, you in the room because it was COVID was going on? Were you in a room together on Zoom? Like, how did it work? Did he come with ideas and bounce them off you, or vice versa? Or did you just like get together and we we, we wrote the outline together. This, uh, the the outline was pre COVID, uh, and did we finish the? I don't I don't remember. It, it took us a while to sell us. I'm not sure if we wrote it during COVID or not, but I know that once we had the outline, uh, we divvied it up. And this was, uh, Tom Lennon's a friend of mine, and, and Tom Lennon and Ben Garant wrote a screenwriting book. And there's a chapter in there about how to write with a partner, which I which I uh, read when I did UHF, which was not quite as fun <laughs> to write as it was. But basically, once you have your outline, the, the, the best thing to do, I found, uh, if you're working with a partner, is to just divide it up. Like We divided the movie into 12. 12 or 22 chunks and mm. I would write a chunk and Eric could write the next one and then he would like punch up my chunk and then I'd punch up his and we'd go oh, through the movie cool. and by the time the whole thing was done the movie had basically been rewritten 22 times so it was actually a pretty tight first draft did you get notes from anyone or were people just happy to say like hey it's your movie because it's you and we yeah, we, we got notes. We, you know, um, Roku had a few notes, uh, but they, they were actually not bad, you know, because I was used to like network notes just being horrible and ridiculous. <laughs> and, yep. and, and, and we get a page of notes from them and then we'd be like, yeah, 
yeah, okay, yeah, we can do that. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> and well, I was I was also wondering, like, so the casting of it, there are a million funny, fun cameos, and obviously, like, getting Daniel Radcliffe as a coup. Did you personally go out and and try to cast that off of people you knew uh, and call in favors, or were people just? Did you have a casting agent who found people were just receptive to it? I know you're big in the comedy world and have a lot of friends there. Well, we, we did have a, a casting director, but the the pool party scene, I was sort of the unofficial casting person for that because I just got to go through <laughs> yeah, my address book and just pick out a bunch of my friends and see if they were going to be available on that specific day. So, uh, yeah, I, I got to coordinate all that. I can't believe we pulled that off. I yeah. want to give you a, a compliment on your acting and both out my own stupidity that I was watching it with my wife, and I said, "Like, oh, who's that record executive? <laughs> they look familiar, and they're really funny." I was deep, deep into character. <laughs> yeah, you, really were. you idiot! That's weird. Wow. <laughs> like, because you wonder. We talk about it on the podcast all the time. Like, I don't know that much about movies. I, I watch documentaries. It's like, I'm unable to see actors for something. Like, I'm unable to, in my mind, connect people i know with that, that is suspend your disbelief yeah. that is a compliment yeah. now uh weird al we're gonna let you go but not without mm. our profound thanks i yes. mean this is this yeah. is huge for us you have been huge for us for most of our lives yeah. so thank you so much for that and, and continue to be with my kids who i wish were home they would like shit a brick yeah they've been to your live shows and it's i think that's one of the great things we didn't talk about but that you must get now like you know we're bringing our kids to the show we're all yeah. enjoying it together that was the thing with a movie i was watching it with my kids and they you know they love foil and like my youngest one has this whole thing where the reptiles in that scare her so we put it on and then they come on and she screams and we make fun of her and then she comes out, so. Uh, it's it's, it's not just us it's like literally something that i'm able in the way that my parents passed along to me like i like scott joplin you know <laughs> this is something i'm passing on and sharing with them that we're all enjoying together uh, well, for, first of all, you're both just incredibly sweet. And also, yeah, it's, it's a very cool thing because when I came out in, in the early 80s, you know, my uh, my core audience was definitely like 12-year-old boys. Yes. <laughs> but then those boys grew up and now they're bringing their kids yeah. and sometimes their grandchildren. So that's, it's a, it's a multi-generational uh, fan base at this point. Well, it will. The, the songs will live on forever. The laughs just continue every time you put something out. So we, we hope you do again. Or if it's if it's screenwriting, uh, you know, obviously we will be uh, first online to see whatever it is. And again, thank you so much for being here. Weird Al Yankovic. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, God. What a gr- what a great. <laughs> that was awesome. A great interview. What an honor for yeah. us. Thank you. Thank one of one of my idols. Yeah, totally. Thank came Al. in with us. Thank you, Why? Al. Thank you, Al. Why did you do it? Al. I know. Why did he? What's do in it? it for you, Al? He's he's asking himself <laughs> that question right now. <laughs> Such a I nice guy. Like Such an uh, honor. Yes. We should we should write a song for him. Yeah. Um, all right. Now God, let's he get would in. Hate that. He was on American Dad. He did a par- <laughs> parody of Sabotage for American Dad. Oh. My, when remember, I first started. Do you remember what it was called? It was called Rabotage. Oh. Okay. Yeah, and that's, he came that in. That sounds like sabotage. Far from sabotage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah right. Like I, my mind just starts going cabbage flaws. <laughs> I know cabbage flaws. <laughs> Sandy claws. <laughs> Sandy claws. That's good. Maybe Roger isn't that guy. Does he have claws? 
I don't know. He's got little arms. He's got little arms and he likes the pecan sandies. Um, All right. Now let's get into a portion of the show we like to call Top Five. Top Five. All right, Goldie, this was your subject. Take it away. Yeah. So it was Top Five Crimes You Wish You Could Commit and Get Away With. This was tough. I know. You know, it was tough. It, yeah, it's one of these things when you're writing, sometimes something sounds really good. Then you start digging into it and you go, is this is this going to be good? I, don't I know. know. Well, it's like some of the things, and JC and I were talking about this, that you might want to say. You're like, can I even say can that? I, I know. Or am I going to be like prosecuted? <laughs> yeah. Right. You know what? I'll go first and <laughs> go I'll, I'll give us a, a blanket. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, I'll shield you guys. Number five, assault. <laughs> All right. You're going there. I love it. There was a guy sitting behind me at the Clippers game last night who didn't shut up the whole fucking game. Where it's like, look at them. Sounds like they have no ball movement. Like he's he's doing this running commentary yes. for nobody. Like no one's finding it interesting. And just to turn around and grab him by the neck and cartoon like like he's Bart Simpson just strangle him till his tongue popped out of his yeah. mouth. What a blessing it would have been for everyone. I gotta say, I regret not putting assault now. <laughs> Uh, number four is shoplifting. Ooh. So walk in, take what you want to leave. Yes. Like the boldness of it. Yes. I think it's kind of become one of those crimes that they don't even... Unless they you're don't, a celebrity. They don't pursue now anymore. Like, it's because the, the police are so stretched that it's oh. like, people just come in and take shit and they're like, yeah, we'll get to it maybe. Yeah. yeah. Just no. walk in, I mean, tuck I've it been... under your arm, walk out. It's kind of funny. Wait, I've been (laughs) in, like, I think it was a Sephora, and three people walked in with huge satchels and just started taking stuff off the shelves, and all the employees were like, all right, somebody call security. It's happening again. It's just like... So sure. maybe you could get away with uh, it. When I was in New York, for, look for three criminals with highly moisturized faces. <laughs> totally. When I was in New York in the '90s, uh, there was a gap down in Greenwich Village. I was in there with my friend, and like eight teens came in and just like ransacked the place. And I just still remember the cashier <laughs> hearing this line: "Jerry, those kids are here again." <laughs> <laughs> so helpless. It's, it's the khaki, the pleated khaki. <laughs> Those <thieves>. kids. <laughs> uh, all right, number three, tax evasion. Yes. Especially during Trump, it's just like I, I don't want to give you my money. Yeah. 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 I don't yep. want to pay you with my money. Just, I know it sucks. Just, all you have to do we is get, not get hammered the most. on a form, and you keep all your money. <laughs> we get yeah. hammered the most. I always see these things of like this person paid, you know, nine percent in taxes. Like I'm paying fifty two. How did that happen? <laughs> totally. like, why yeah. do I quietly pay that much every year? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, number two, destruction of property. Ooh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm There's a just theme. one person on my You're block whose car I'd love to take a baseball <laughs> bat to. <laughs> Get away with it. With impunity. Oh, my God. Oh, it would just oh. be so great. And number one is embezzlement. <laughs> Whatever, like, you, the crypto guy did, is j- just to just take a bunch of air money and then move to Europe and be in Geneva in a mansion and just go, like, nothing happened. All that yeah. happened was a computer. Like, a different computer said I had a different number than another computer. <laughs> and so now I can just 
live a life of leisure. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, the embezzler. There, there's one missing from your list that's on my list that I'm very surprised about. But well, I'm sure. JC, I think I know what it JC, is. JC, go ahead. Okay, we do have crossover. Oh. Um, but, okay, my number five, and I'm not even sure that I would really want this, but I was struggling. No, like well, all these, yeah. like we can say with an asterisk, yeah. like we don't really right. want it. Okay, do cool. <laughs> Thank you. Um, You're not a bad person. <laughs> just like wow. with those those shows that are out, identity theft. I feel oh. like mm. it could be interesting to live in, to see how someone else lives, even though I love my life, but it would Eesh. just be kind of interesting. I hate that answer, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Yeah, because good. it's like people do that and it, it's, it ruins people's lives. I know. I know. <laughs> that's Maybe that's but by the way, way, some of the ones I have ruined people's lives too. Well, so you just, you, you're it's mad all... because your Instagram got stolen. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. Well, I was complaining. Complaining. Yeah, it was definitely complaining. <laughs> okay. If I were talented enough, my number four would be graffiti art. Oh, that's a just, good one. That's, I, you, you, no. You're back. You're back on the board. <laughs> <laughs> number three, you're probably going to hate this one too, is insider trading. No, that's the same. That's yeah. like embezzling. Thank like. God. I thought you were about to say incest. <laughs> incest. My dad is hot. Oh my oh God. My God. Mm-hmm. See, just, let's, let, let's cut the episode for today. <laughs> These are all the similar theme. Number two is tax evasion. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. number one is counterfeiting money. Oh, I think that's that a good one. So fun. <laughs> that's a good one. The, so when I was in college, these guys who had the dorm room next to me, they worked at the journalism school doing something with a printing press. This was in the nineties. So yeah. awesome. you know, there was no Careful maybe now. there was an internet. I didn't know about it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh and they printed up a bunch of money. And wow. got caught. Oh, wow, and what happened? They, they they don't like that crime. That's like a, that's a. I think they probably went to jail. Yeah, it's oh, big. Jail. But I was like, I was friends with them. You know, wow, they had boy. that room next to me. I'm not not like great friends. They kind of hated me. I think. But, <laughs> you always think that. <laughs> but I like them. <laughs> that's what matters. <laughs> oh God! All right, here's my list, and mine mine has some ones that you're just gonna laugh at because they're so minor. We'll start off with number five, jaywalking. I think you should just be able. <laughs> to, I think you should just be able to walk wherever you the fuck you want. You can get away with that. I, I agree with that. You you can, but <laughs> well, also, he's also getting away with a lot of other stuff we don't know about. So he now has to like, <laughs> yeah, to go down to the minor things. <laughs> he has to throw a flashbang to distract everyone. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That is not true, and I'll show you with the seriousness, the, the seriousness of this next one: littering. <laughs> that's a great answer i don't agree because i i listen i i i agree that you know we need to keep the planet clean but there's something that used to be so satisfying about back in the 70s and 80s just throwing a full bag of fast food out of your car window uh, <laughs> just, just two reactions to that quickly yeah. the scene in Mad Men where they have a picnic and then don draper just leaves everything yeah <laughs> that was great but also uh, a friend of ours had a party at their mansion this weekend that yeah. I was at. We don't have to like name yeah. it yeah. where or whatever, but we were at a, a party at a, a veritable nice estate. Place. Yes. yes. And yes. the house has an incredible view over all of LA. Yes. 
I saw a guy chuck a plate of food off the deck. No. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Oh, that's amazing. So that's that's coyote trouble now. Yep. <laughs> They're going to be coming back. That's hilarious. Uh, number three, gambling. Oh, like it's yeah. Yeah, like gambling should just be legal. It's it basically is in some places, but some right. places they get all uptight about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number two, indecent exposure. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> oh my god. No, here's the thing. I would never do it. I got oh. nothing to show okay. but embarrassment. But all I would... of your exposure is not decent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But but uh, I wouldn't mind if everyone else were walking around naked. It'd be really interesting. You know. <laughs> like I think that's kind of cool. And number one, and Goldie, you know what this is, because they're not going to catch the Midnight Rider, and I could never oh. advocate for this. No. But, but this is not something that I advocate. No. Drunk driving. Oh, that crossed my mind, actually. You know, Easy video game. I know. <laughs> Windows slightly down, great music. <laughs> I'm not going to do not do that. Don't. So don't do it. Don't <laughs> listen do to us. Um, all right, let me next week's category. Let's do it. Uh, I think I want to go with uh, top five Boston athletes of all time. Oh, okay. Top five Boston athletes. It's not songs, Goldie. I see you trying to dislike it, but it's not mm. songs. <laughs> Look at Goldie's for some reason upset. I don't know why. This is, couldn't be more your wheelhouse. Top Let's just see warriors. how it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I can tell you, Doug Flutie will not be. He's been Ooh, bounced. Bounced. Here you go. There you go. We knew you'd get it in. Um, all right. Now let's end the show like we always do on a high note. Oh, Tom and Max. Thank you. Very long. Uh, I'll quickly do mine and maybe our, ours will be similar, but mine is Weird Al. How the Woo! hell did we get him? Why was he here? He might not know. Thank you, Weird Al. Thank you yeah. to his manager, Jay Levy, who made Thank it you, all happen. Um, it was truly a gift and an honor for us. Yeah, for real. Yeah, it, I, listen, I, I'm not going to then go like, I just want to say, I, you know, I had a great time <laughs> at the game. <laughs> it's got to be Weird Al. Yeah, it's, Weird it's, Al. As much as I hate when you guys do that. I know, <laughs> I but know. I think it's earned for this one. Weird Al has earned it. Yeah, right? <sighs> yeah. God, if you had told me... me at 11 years old. I know. Yeah. You will one day talk to Weird Al. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I would have just had my first jizz. You would have, <laughs> you would have assaulted somebody. <laughs> my first jizz. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah just him, him ste <laughs> steaming up the camera lens with his breathing during Eat It. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so great. I, uh, so I, I know. We, it's we are, remarkable. We are in OR. Thank you, Weird Al. Yeah. Um, thank you. And, and thank you, too, for being yeah. awesome. Thank everyone for listening, and we will talk to you again next week. Yeah, okay, about Tem next week. That was fun. And it stops right now.